0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. On this Friday, October 20th, talking Indians baseball today with our good friend, Jordan Bastian, MLB.com Indians reporter. Jordan, we thank you for the time on this Friday. And uh, the goal today is to kind of look back um, at the Indians rotation and to kind of, you know, do an overview of how that rotation changes between Opening day and uh, game 162, I think for the most part, the Indians uh, blessed with a, with decent health, at least more so than other teams. But before we get to that, uh, some fresh news uh, from yesterday as uh, we're talking here on, again, Friday the 20th. So this came out on Thursday regarding uh, Michael Brantley and uh, how some health issues for him may complicate some contract uh, negotiations down the road. Uh, give us the latest on him.
1: Yeah, I mean, Michael Brantley made the ALDS roster because they felt he could hit. I mean, he had three at-bats in the last two games of the season after missing almost two months due to a, a more than an ankle sprain. I mean, he had damaged ligaments in his ankle, seen multiple doctors to kind of figure out what was going on. But, you know, those late-season at-bats kind of convinced the Indians that, as a pinch hitter, uh, you know, he could potentially be a weapon in the playoffs. That didn't pan out. The Edwin Encarnacion injury in the playoffs kind of forced Brantley into more playing time than they expected, and that roster decision was kind of exposed. And especially because we found out that you know they all they knew all along that what happened this week was always a potential outcome, which was he went under the knife, had surgery, and is now going to miss four to five months before he can return to full baseball activity. Now that time frame does line it up to you know the short end of that time frame would be around the start of spring training when players are reporting and the long end of that time frame would be in the middle of March when, you know, games are already underway. So, you know, when we talked to Chris Antonetti yesterday on a conference call, you know, he said that the outcomes for this surgery typically are good and that he said, you know, they expect Brantley to be ready for spring training and that's gonna be factored in now because they still have to weigh twelve million dollar team option or a one million dollar buyout. Um, whether or not to keep him in the fold for 2018 via that route and that contract language. There's always the possibility of declining that option and trying to work out maybe a restructured deal. Um, I, you know, We tried to ask Antonetti if that was an approach that they're willing to take, and you know, he said they didn't really want to get into hypotheticals yet. They're going to focus on the option, and then they'll get there. But this is a guy who's missed a lot of time over the last two years. I think he's played just over 100 games in the last two seasons combined. Due to biceps injuries, shoulder injuries, uh, now this ankle, a lot of problematic issues that have kept him off the field. But when he's been on the field, he's been healthy, he's been productive, and he was a top three MVP finisher only three years ago. So, the guy's been in the organization a long time. A guy they really value both behind the scenes as a leader and on the field when he's healthy. So. A lot of things for this front office to weigh in regards to Michael Brantley, specifically here over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I was going
0: to point out that uh, in 2014, not only did Kluber win the side, but uh, Brantley, they almost made it a, a double-double by uh, him getting the MVP, as you said, a top-three finisher that year. Jordan, if, if you had to guess, and I'll ask you to guess, to gaze into your crystal ball, uh, <laughs> do you see him uh, as part of this team next year? Do you think they will
1: uh, weigh or you know uh,
0: exercise that option uh, despite the health issues?
1: Yeah, I mean, when you read between the lines of some of the comments, you know, Antonetti said, we expect him to be ready for spring training with us. He said, we've always envisioned Brantley being a part of the Indians for 2018 and beyond. You know, they're saying things that would indicate that there's a really high level of interest in retaining him. I don't think picking up the $12 million option is the smartest way to go about that, especially when they're also losing Carlos Santana and Jay Bruce. And uh, a couple of other players potentially to free agency. So I think what would probably be uh, the better route would be to decline that option sort of in good faith with Brantley, knowing that, hey, you know, we want you in the fold. Let's work out another potentially multi-year deal, maybe work in incentives uh, based on playing time. You know, maybe discuss with him whether or not moving out of left field to accommodate other roster decisions. You know, maybe considering first base or DH as a possible avenue. I think there's a lot of things that they're going to be discussing with Michael Brantley before they come to that decision on the option uh, because I do think there's interest in retaining him, but I think it's probably going to be on a differently structured deal.
0: Very interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how that whole thing plays out with Michael Brantley during the course of what is always a very entertaining and unpredictable uh, off offseason. Uh, Jordan, getting back uh, to the original topic, I guess, as we, uh, you know, look at the, the makeup of the Indians rotation and the changes that it underwent between game one and game 162, you know, whether through uh, trades or health issues or, or things of that nature, guys getting demoted or promoted, as the case might be, Uh, the way that the uh, rotation kind of you know takes shape and and changes and twists and turns throughout the course of the year so kind of take us down that path and explain how you know between opening day and and the end of the regular season of course the Indians made the playoffs obviously but kind of take us through that journey and uh, tell us you know how that rotation did change
1: yeah I mean it's I mean this was one of baseball's best pitching staffs top to bottom Um, when you look at uh, you know, some people like to look at WAR as just sort of an indication of how good a staff is. And rotation to bullpen combined, the Indians set the all-time single-season WAR record last year, passing the 1996 Braves. Um, when you're looking at the FanGraphs version of that metric, so it's that's a really good sense of how strong uh, the rotation was as part of that group. And it goes without saying that Corey Kluber led the way. I mean, the guy very likely could be the Cy Young winner this year, given. Um, what he did, but it's interesting when you look at the top three at the end of the year were Kluber, Carrasco, and Bauer, and that was sort of the expectation going into the season, but how they got there was a little different because Kluber um, has been well-documented missed a month of time in May due to a back injury. What happened during that month um, was it allowed Carlos Carrasco to really continue to assert himself as a legitimate top-of-the-rotation arm and it uh, allowed Trevor Bauer to you know, work through some of his early season inconsistencies and, and get to a point by the end of May where he found a pitch mix that would carry him through the rest of the year to develop um, what ended up being a career year for him. And it also opened the door for a guy like Mike Clevenger, who kind of was on that rotation periphery at the beginning of the year, to get that spot, get consistent time and consistent innings, and, and develop into one of the Indians' more reliable starters last year. So now as you forecast ahead to 2018, you know, it's interesting to see that Mike Clevenger may now be considered um, the front runner for, for the back end of that staff. And, you know, maybe Danny Salazar, you know, who went through some injury issues of his own and had some more inconsistency, you know, maybe there's going to be debate about where he fits into the equation. Josh Tomlin, who's the longest tenured pitcher, uh, player in the organization, not just pitcher, has a $3 million team option, which is very affordable given what he does, and what the pitching costs on the open market. I would be very surprised if they didn't pick that up. But it's going to be interesting to see where he fits into that picture as well. And then they have Cody Anderson, who's coming back from Tommy John surgery, um, who was successful in the big leagues a couple of years ago. So you can already see the depth behind the front three um, you know, coming together as you, as you look ahead to 2018. But I think that Kluber injury really opened the door for Clevenger. The Salazar injury as well. Um, in the middle of the year kind of a, uh, solidified Clevenger's place in that rotation um, going forward. So as we sort of look ahead to, the, to next year and in the, in the winter and the decisions they have to make, most of the decisions are going to be on the position player side, as we alluded to, with Brantley, Santana, Bruce, um, because that rotation, you know, with that strong front three and, and what looks like solid depth behind them, you know, I think they're in a really, really good place and have a strong foundation going into next year.
0: Yeah, I think it's safe to say that uh, the in- Indians' rotation, at least in the American League, uh, could be the envy of every other club uh, in the junior circuit, as you pointed out, with that very strong one through three, and then tremendous uh, depth and talent in the four and five spots. However, that shakes out as uh, Clevenger seems to be uh, the guy with the inside track on getting one of those spots, and we'll see what becomes of, as you said, Anderson, Salazar, and Tomlin. Ryan Merritt, too, he, he could factor yeah. in there. Every time he gets called up, he, he performs. So – there might be a spot for him, you never know, but it's, it's uh, as the saying goes, a good problem to have as the Indians sort this out in spring training leading up to uh, opening day 2018. Want to get uh, your take further on uh, Corey Kluber. I think it's uh, pretty much agreed upon by most people that uh, he will win his second career, Cy Young. That was an award that I think people feel that Chris Sale had uh, on lockdown for the first half of the year. He slipped. Uh, Kluber was untouchable after the All-Star break, and I think the award's going to him. Was he better in 2017 than his Cy Young Award season of 2014?
1: Yeah, uh, I think for sure. Um, I think what we saw in 2014 was brilliant, and it was similarly consistent down the stretch. But what we saw this year, you know, he didn't – It's he has the amazing pitches and the great repertoire, but he was more overpowering in 2014 in terms of his stuff, where I felt this year when we watched him we saw – not only was he, did he remain overpowering, but he did it differently, and he did it sort of as this chameleon on the mound, where every game he would adapt to the lineup he was facing. You, you know, he threw the heavy use of the breaking ball more than he had in, before in his career. But when you go game to game, you would see different approaches to different teams. So what we saw is kind of a pitcher who, who has gotten on top of his game and able to make those adjustments based on what he's seeing the first time through the lineup and things like that. And and just the way he carried that staff and set the tone when he returned from the DL June 1 on, you know, he had a 164 ERA, I believe, from June 1 on, um, you know, almost had a full season's worth of production within a four-month time period. Um, it was really, really impressive. And it went from at one point in, it was either late May or early June, uh, the Indians were dead last in rotation ERA in the American League. And then. By the end of the year, they were the runaway best rotation in the American League. So, it's I mean, you could see when Kluber returned, that that impact that he had and kind of that trickle-down effect of of being the example for the guys behind him to sort of work off and and study how he approached teams, the impact was um, pretty immeasurable on what he did for the staff. So, you know, I think he's the favorite for the Cy Young. Um, Chris Sale had a, a brilliant season. Uh, to go over 300 strikeouts is is impressive and historic, uh, but I just think the impact that Kluber had on the Indians' rotation um, and just the dominance he had from June one on is what's gonna kind of lead him to the Cy Young, especially when you factor in how dominant the Indians were as a team down the stretch. Voters love narrative, and we have the 22 game winning streak, mm. and I think they won what 34 of 37 games right. down the stretch or something similar. Um, so i think that that's going to weigh heavily when people cast those votes which they did before the end of the season.
0: Yeah, there's something to be said for finishing strong. Uh, Kluber did, Sale did not, and I think if anything is going to tilt the scales in Kluber's favor, uh, it's going to be that. In the uh, minute or so, a minute or two we have left, uh, Jordan, kind of talk about Carrasco and Bauer as you touched on initially. In terms of uh, expectations uh, for the two of them coming into the season, did they meet expectations, fall short, or even
1: exceed? How would you grade them? I would say Carrasco finally met expectations. I think we were all waiting to see him develop into that 200-inning uh, workhorse and, and see him do it from the start of the year to the end of the year um, consistently. And his career has been riddled with inconsistency and stints in the bullpen or injuries here and there that a lot of times were freak in nature. But you know, I think what we finally saw this year was him meeting the expectations that the Indians have always had for him. Bauer's season was a little enigmatic. It was kind of in the first half of the year. His uh, advanced metrics didn't really align with the results. In the second half of the year, the results were a lot better, but you could argue that some of the advanced metrics were worse than they were in the first half. And he was kind of confounded by, you know, the nature of that, that season. Um, but I think what we saw over the last couple months was a guy who found, as kind of mentioned earlier, found a pitch mix that he really had grown into and liked and found that it was effective. Um, and so the Bauer that ended the season was undoubtedly in a, in a much better place than than he was at the start of this season. And I think that's going to set the tone for a, probably what knowing him will be a tireless offseason of work to position himself to, carry it forward in the next year
0: scary to think this indians rotation could be even better in 2018 great stuff as always from jordan Baston. we thank you for the time jordan and we'll do it again at this time next week in the meantime matt waymeyer signing off for mlb.com extras cleveland indians